Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm still in Europe. Oh my God, you've gotten a little bit of a weird accent. Why am I still in Europe? That's such a weird... What what country is that accent? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Like maybe a little Denmark <laughs> and Finland. Oh, look at all these things. Are you wearing clogs? Oh, I'm seeing all these miniatures. Are you eating a Danish? Oh, that's delicious. legal pot? Is it a delicacy? Ugh. Are you... Okay. Um, you know what I am right now? Over Europe. You're done with it. <laughs> done. You got what? How many days now? I've been in uh, nine fucking days in Europe. Done with it. Wow. Done with Europe. Okay. Your castles. Um, we did. Uh, we did this episode before you left. No. No. Yeah. Obviously. Okay. <laughs> Time machine. Um. What's it about? It's about our favorite bands that aren't Radiohead or Tool. Yeah. <laughs> Second tier. Yeah, second right. tier, and kind of not really, uh, we didn't go like, hey, we picked fucking Led Zeppelin and the Stones and all these like major, you know, uh, we picked bands that are kind of like more personal to us yeah. and bands that we kind of grew up listening to and love um, and like kind of still love now. And then we picked one at the end that was one that we were not like, the proudest of. Oops. Oops. Or people just made fun of us for. Or in retrospect, you're like, ah, I just liked it at that time, and turns out not that dope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, th- don't say the one that you that you picked. Okay, we're gonna have to yeah. wait and listen. But do you still like it? He, she, them. Now? I never listen to it ever. If it comes on, I don't like turn it off. Okay. But I never. Uh, that said, I never listen to the radio. So what I'm saying is, if I'm at the supermarket, I don't run out of the supermarket to that band. To that person. band. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's not an active part of my life anymore. I will do it. I will listen to the one I mention here and there. Sometimes out of like just nostalgia, mm-hmm. or sometimes a, a conversation will come up, and I'll be like, I want to listen to He, She, It, Them, right? Whatever that band is, that we will not tell you because you have to listen at the end of the episode, near the end of the episode for it, right? Uh, so we each pick a few bands and we talk about them uh, in some length. We don't really drone on and on and on and on because uh, we don't know if you even know who they are. <laughs> a couple of them are, uh, you know, you'll have heard of pretty much all of them, yeah. obviously. But uh, they're bands that we love and that we listen to a lot. And then there's the one at the end where we're like, oops, or people were like, what the hell is wrong with you? It was a fun episode to do. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, Kevin comes back from Europe soon. All that Europe shit all over me. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little. Covered in Europe. In the following. In the episode when you get back, either in the intro, or maybe we'll do like an episode about travel. Europe. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do an episode about travel. Okay. Favorite I'll places. Have, I'll have some thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. We'll do some, we'll do a tr- like travel episode. Our favorite places that we've gone to. Right. Or in our least favorite, obviously. I'll either be like, this was so amazing, or I'll be like, you want to know why this place fucking yeah. sucks? This place is overrated. Fuck you. Whatever your city name is. Yep. All right. Uh, so cool. That'll be, that'll be fun to do. Um, all right. So enjoy this episode. Let us know what you think of the bands and all that stuff. Uh, quick show information. November 5th, one night only, San Francisco. I'm headlining a place called uh, Doc's Lab. It used to be uh, is the home of the old, the original Purple Onion. Super cool venue in the middle of San Francisco, kind of near the North Beach area. Um, come out to that. It's one night, one show. Tickets are like 10, 12 bucks. Uh, and I'm only doing the one show. 8 p.m. November 5th in San Francisco. Come out to that. Uh, go to nickyousef.com for tickets. There's a link to their website. 
It's a cool new place. They book good acts. Um, I'll be there that one night, November 6th through 8th. Zany's Nashville. Me and Bobby Lee, uh, my Korean child, we will be playing Zany's in Nashville. I'm really excited about that. Hit me up with coffee shops, record stores, places to eat. I need to know what I'm getting into before I go, damn it. Uh, Thank you in advance for all the things that you will send me. Enjoy this episode. It's all about fucking music, you guys. Love it. We love you. Bye. say goodbye. But I can't seem to move away Not to say, not to say Alright, um That you should share the blame <laughs> Did we? No we didn't Yeah Everything's going perfect It's beautiful You had a false start there Your mom Your false Your mom no false starts all over your face your face falls stall- all over your mom's face. Yeah. What? Does that mean yeah. you guys made out? All right. yeah. uh, <laughs> that, means, that means I've made out with both. Both our moms. All right. Yeah. Uh, yet another weird start. Yep. Um, we had a false start and then we recorded, like, we started talking about Obama. It was traffic. a bunch of political bullshit. And then we got into, like, um, whether or not, what to what level of gov- respect we should treat our government with. Yeah, yeah. It lasted yeah. for, like, maybe... 15 minutes but then the sim card was full we only got about eight of it yeah guys you're you're lucky you missed it yeah it's but you know what if you guys want to hear it <laughs> let us know and then we'll put it in the next i'll say i'll save it and we'll put the just that eight minute chunk hidden track w- of two dummies trying to sound smart <laughs> yeah i'll put it in the next episode like at the end it's like a little <laughs> bonus and you guys can just hear us fucking ramble on <laughs> this episode as you heard in the intro um is about like uh, a few of our favorite bands, second tier non-Radiohead bands. Yeah, not 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 Tool or Radiohead. Yeah, not Tool or Radiohead. Yeah, yeah. Because um, okay. we talk about music a lot, and we're like, fuck it, let's get into like um, into a little detail. Top three, and then one we're embarrassed that we like. Yeah, like or liked, liked. They don't have to currently still like them. Still, guess, but, but those bands that you pretend that you were embarrassed that they come on, you're like, god damn it. Mm. Um, I'll go first. And I'm kind of going off of... I tried not to... Because I think there's a big difference of bands people like to say are their favorites versus... I'm trying to go of literally time I spent listening to these bands. Yeah, the bands that like really actually yeah. mean it's something. It's like everyone loves to say they love Sleater Kinney, but like how are Sonic Youth? How often are you throwing in the records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just yeah. are trying to sound smart. How often does noise rock really go, oh, this would be perfect on this yeah. day and this yeah, occasion? Yeah, it's like are you, really, are you really jamming out to craft work that often? Not yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, no one is. When I think of hours I spent listening to a band. Right, hold on. Are you do? We're going one and one, by the way. Okay. But then are you doing these uh, in the order of your favorite I'm going chronologically. Okay, so not most favorite to second favorite. No, no, no. I'm going chronologically. Just curious. Okay. Uh, First, I spent a lot of time between the age of 17 and 20 listening to Bad Religion. A lot. (laughs) A lot. It's so suburban Southern California. White kid. It's a a suburban Southern California white kid band. You know what mine was? Pennywise. Oh, they sucked. <laughs> the, the fuck you! They didn't suck. They were good for like three albums. Damn it! All right. They also <laughs> just you know I'm really I'll, I'll be. They didn't suck. I'm yeah. really mad at Pennywise right now because whoever does their art just fucking stole some dude's design and used it on a t-shirt. Well, like sucks. flipped it and just put a Pennywise logo. Like let's just flipped it 
and it's just fucking stole this dude's sweet skull drawing. That's shitty. It would, yeah, it's just like, dude, come on, sure try they, harder. They knew, maybe no, they no, 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 no. Because the person who did it was like, uh, what the fuck, dude? But I'm saying, like, maybe the band didn't know. They just kind of outsourced. They're like, hire this guy. No, they probably they no. Like, Yeah, so it looks good to us. Although that's a that's a band that's that may be involved because they're not a huge band. But no, I, it's probably yeah. the designer. Probably someone else did it. Well, fuck that guy too. Yeah, whatever his name is. Don't right. get me wrong. I've been a party of that level of plagiarism, but usually the person's dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I listened to a lot of bad. The main album I listened to the most was Against the Grain. Uh-huh. Great, and, great title, by the way, for a punk title. rock band. Simple. Bad. Yeah. Gets the message across. Also, Stranger Than Fiction. Great. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, it, it, it's just it was an important band in terms of my very early kind of the seeds being planted to be like a to questioning things <laughs> like yeah. it, bad religion is the band you can because everyone who liked bad religion gets a real boner to tell you that lead singer is a professor also yeah he like went he, to college man not, not only that punk he teaches guys. college i think he taught at berkeley or something yeah and you know that was that i mean you could people like as a 17 year old shithead who decided to make his hair spiky yeah. you cannot be more psyched to tell someone he's a professor professor of sociology at berkeley yeah so that makes this you guy's really fighting from within the system also <laughs> at that time in my life i'm starting to slowly transition out of being into jesus Whoa, and that bad religion yeah. t-shirt with the cross with the circle through it with the thing through it basically saying like no it says bad religion which is a cross and a, a circle with an x through it you're just like whoa that is bold as shit in the 90s before everyone like before you could just kind of openly be an atheist and there yeah. was kind of atheists all over the place um wearing a shirt like that got like people would double take and they'd go whoa dude are you like against god yeah. like what the yeah. fuck and you're like no it's a bad religion shirt oh, all right, right, right in in lacrosena especially yeah you're talking a heavy christian contingent yeah and so that i didn't even i didn't buy that shirt but i was like whoa this shirt is insane yeah so i had a lot of respect for that level of fuck you and it just, I don't know, just the lyrics were super smart. I found it listenable. Uh-huh. I thought the guy, they actually wrote kind of catchy. The, the songs were catchy. Yeah. And it just like helped. It helped me try. I think it, 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 it uh, before I became obsessed with Radiohead, they were one of the first bands that helped me want to be smart. Uh-huh. Where like, I think as a young per- I don't. I didn't think I wanted, I didn't care about being a smart person as a teenager, really. Right. I, I just, it wasn't like a a thing that like I wanted to be informed. So like that, you know, they had a song about like how there's going to be 10 billion people in the world in 2010, mm-hmm. which there aren't, there weren't close, <laughs> close. Yeah. But that, you know, that, you know, you're like, Oh, population crisis and environment. And just like you start there, they had lots of lyrics about the being anti-government and, and us being fucked and things like that. Yeah. So it was this first early, things of being like i will read a noam chomsky book <laughs> like it's it's that shit you get into when you're like young and trying to find something to rebel against yeah it's music for idealism yeah yeah, yeah. and you know when you're i was a la- intellectually lazy teenager mm-hmm. so uh anything smart in song form was easier for me to digest oh, yeah. than actually reading a whole book uh-huh. you know but it's that like End of high school, early junior college is the per- perfect time for a white suburban kid to get into bad religion. Right. And it was, you know, 
you just wanted to re- it was the same reason I wanted to I got into hip hop before that I just didn't like what I saw around me so I was like what's different than this mm-hmm. what what's the opposite of this you know and that and bad religion was that for me for a long time I probably spent probably 3 or 4 years of my life as probably bad religion was my favorite band Okay. Like I listened to, like I liked a lot of punk music. Like I loved Descendants, mm. and I loved Bad Religion, and I, I I genuinely liked Green Day a lot, and I loved The Clash. But I listened at that time. Bad before it kind of switched to The Clash, but Bad Religion was super important to me when first getting into punk music. That was like the main band that got me into punk and kept me into punk. What's your uh, favorite album of theirs? Against the Grain. Okay. And then Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. Okay. Stranger Than Fiction's one of my favorite songs, but I, Against the Grain is, I think, my favorite album. Okay. And that's yeah. all like songs about shaving, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they were good. And, you know, I just like, I just, it made me feel like smart or whatever. And we had a group of friends who were all into punk and thought we were very interesting for being into punk. Oh, yeah. We, were like, we really thought we were fucking fascinating. Yeah. Being into bands that don't tour anymore. Yeah. Like, we thought we were really doing something. Yeah. We just go, man, all this stuff around us, it's all going to end, bro. Yes. I mean, like, what's our, this guy talking about? He's so interesting. The teachers at our school probably couldn't have rolled their eyes hard enough. Like, I've taught punks before. I will mm-hmm. teach punks again. You guys yeah. are adorable. Mm-hmm. This is my second group of dyed haired dummies, and I'm not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your like, liber- your Liberty Spikes are cute. Yeah. Oh, I don't even think anyone had the balls to have Liberty. Max had Liberty Spikes, actually. They're always like Max one and his or two. brother. Mac, only the Collins children had the balls to have Liberty Spikes in, at yeah. Crescenta Valley High School. <laughs> it wasn't even like that you would be looked at like, whoa, look at that monster. They were just like difficult. Yeah, they're really hard. He was like, oh, you spent a lot of time doing your hair. Yeah. That's you what Brian play. Eno uh, once was quoted to say punks were people that uh, pretended they didn't care anything about hairstyles but actually cared quite a bit about hairstyles yeah to get all that shit to stand up and like yeah. be symmetrical i mean it takes time if you buy hair dye you care about hairstyles oh yeah 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 you can't just be like i don't give a fuck and it's like well how long did it take for you to put all the patches on your jacket <laughs> how yeah. long did it take for you to dye your hair you drove to, to retail slut hair. yeah yeah to put all the pins and the mm-hmm. fucking clothes pins and the it takes work yeah to not care <laughs> that's what i've always sort of admired bands that don't have a look you're like oh you really just only care about music yeah they they, they dress the exact same way they did before they were in the band where it's yeah. just like like plain jeans that yeah. aren't special or tight or ripped or weird and then just a fucking t-shirt first like nothing on it early metallica you're just like those dudes. They wore the they they but they did not change clothes to perform. Yeah, yeah. They so that's my regular shit. That's my first important favorite band of all time. Okay, um, it's funny that you're doing them chronologically because you did that with the other. Uh, yeah, I like because yeah. I think I think it's like if I do them just in order, I think it's interesting. I was thinking about like how I kind of one kind of pushed me into another. Uh huh. You know. Yeah, there's. I mean, there is that. But to me, like, the way I kind of approach this, because I've had, like, depending on, like, when you go through whatever phases you go through in life, you like different stuff. So I'm, like, I thought back to the bands I liked when I was a teenager, and I'm, like, none of those apply to me anymore, even though I liked them then. And they did open the doors into other shit. But, like, so when I was thinking about it as of, like, currently, I was, like, what bands still apply 
that still hold up. Yeah, or what bands that like um See, I think I could still put on a bad religion album and like it. Yeah. I could do I could probably do that with some Marilyn Manson cuz that was like a big one for me when I was a teenager. Yeah. But it didn't really like make the list. Okay. Maybe it will. Maybe I'll do that as my third just out of curiosity to see right. what I can like conjure cuz I was like debating on a couple for my third. Anyway, uh my first one would be um Neil Young. Okay. And I'm not doing this in order of my f- favorite to you know least or whatever uh but i'd say neil young he's pretty fantastic neil young is really interesting did he invent the train rack guitar solo i don't think he did no i just realized when i got into neil young very late yeah and i realized that cake had stolen their entire sound from one neil young song which one one part of i don't know the name of the song but it's just in one neil young song it's just there's a part where the guitar goes and you're like, oh, that's every cake song. I'm like, oh, all the cake songs. And I like cake. But I was like, Down by the River, I think. Maybe. Is it right? Or Cowgirl in the Sand? One of the two. It's hard to do it when someone's just going, da 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 But it's that simple. And I was like, oh, all the. I was like, oh, that's for cake. I mean, it's either him or like his band. I don't know who. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But anyway, Neil Young is fucking great because he has been around forever. So he's Mm -hmm. managed to like stay relevant, which is like a lot of bands, you know, can not a lot, lot, but bands have done it. But I just love the way he did it, where from the get go, he was like, I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want. And people are going to think I'm an asshole. People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to get mad at me because I released Harvest and then didn't follow it up with another Harvest. Right. You know what I mean? Or the, the same sounding music. I'm going to switch genres. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I want my way. Um, when I was way younger, I didn't really wasn't really into like bands. Like I wasn't into like the kind of the folky, more mellow, songwriter driven music. Although he fucking can rock and roll. For real. Um, whenever he does stuff with Crazy Horse, it's always like fucking cool yeah. rock and roll, you know? Um, but I just like his music because lyrically it's great. Like when I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I saw like, you know, his display and there was like in the window um, his actual handwritten lyrics for Heart of Gold. Right. And like when you listen to Heart of Gold when you're younger, it's kind of just... It sounds mellow. It's not really like, wow. Yeah. But when you listen to the lyrics, you're like, this is like a really kind of beautiful, simple song. I think he came out of a generation that took, I think, I mean, rock music, you got to remember, was still really rebellious then. Right. We've, we, you and I grew up in a time where rock music wasn't, for the most part, the rebellious music. Hip hop kind of took over that moniker. Punk a little. Well, I mean, he was, he kind of started when, I mean, Rock was pretty rebellious then, but he was also like, he kind of came up, because he played with like Buffalo Springfield, who Mm -hmm. were like, I mean, they were like a, you know, a rock band. Yeah. Um, And then he played with like uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Like, he released a couple of solo albums, then played with them a little bit, and then went back to being a solo artist. Yeah. He was like, he hung out with those like, 
kind of folk rock music guys who were like super into fucking drugs, but they were very much considered rebellious. Yeah. I mean, he fucking hung out with Charles Manson. Yeah. Uh, they like, also, <laughs> I think those people were also genuinely into poetry. So there yeah. was like a... Their rebellion was more lyrical instead of like, let's smash hotel rooms. Yeah. And, but also, I mean, he did have, he was a through and through a rebel, but he wasn't one of those like, I'm going to overdose when I'm 30 and I'm going to like destroy hotel rooms and like beat people up. But. Southern Man is a protest song. I right. mean, coming out of that folk rock genre, the, I mean, you're talking about people that can't, that considered a lot of their music protest music. Yeah. So it was serious. These weren't just like, and there he's of an age to where he grew up listening to like doo-wop 50s music. I mean, he's from Canada, yeah, but yeah. I don't know what necessarily he was hearing then. But the right. music was very pop. It was all just love songs. So for him to make that music was like, no, this has got to, this is for a higher purpose. We're trying and think about the time period. You're talking about 60s and 70s. Politically, the country was going fucking crazy. Right. Things were crazy. I mean, you're talking civil rights movement. You're talking Vietnam. You're talking a ton of shit. And so, I mean, most of his music though isn't like protest music. It's a I lot. I think of it's it. like subtle. I mean, he talks. He talks about Vietnam. He talks about. He talks about race. He talks about a lot of things. I mean, a little bit, but like a lot of it is like it's more personal stuff. That's yeah. why I like it. I think it's know. his personal take on being alive. I didn't realize how fucking young he was. Yeah, when he was making some of that shit, when he's like, yeah, he was very young. When he's like old man. When that song, you know, old man, look at me, I'm just like you. Yeah, he's fucking young. Yeah. He was good young. Like that guy was a fascinating singer songwriter. Young. Yeah, which is always something crazy. Like it's like you know Bob Dylan ish. You put Neil Young, Bob Dylan's Bob Dylan. Okay. Yeah. Neil Young. I don't know what you mean by that. Bob Dylan's like. <laughs> unbelievably influential and amazing okay, yeah, and yeah. like yeah he's an icon I, I did his own thing was like no one else yeah neil young while not as i think important as bob dylan isn't that far a cry from it well i mean you can't and he's in that line you i think can't even say one's more important than the other because they did such different things yeah and they went he went against the grain like uh, uh neil young of like just him being himself. Like anytime right. he put something out, he was like, well, now I'm going to do the exact opposite just because yeah. I want to and I can't. Bob Dylan was more the protest song guy. He was more the, the, the social conscious of America kind yeah. of thing. He did those songs. Neil Young was more of like, I mean, as, I mean, any artist around there had a few songs that were like, the system's fucked. This is what's happening. Yeah. War is bad. You know, all that stuff. But Neil Young was way more like uh, he was more rebellious just as a like person, just yeah. like you can't control me and I will release whatever album I want. The public demands this. I will do the opposite because I'm an artist and that's what I do. You can't dictate right. where I go and what I do. And ultimately, like I respect him for that kind of thing because for 30, 40 years, he has just been continuously going against whatever is expected of him and has managed to stay relevant and yeah. keep putting out albums and not become like a destitute, you yeah. know, drug addict or dead. He keeps like, and that's a, that's a huge risk for any artist to take where like you are catapulted to basically stardom because of this album you put out and this style of music. And then for the next one to be nothing like it. Yeah. 
is a huge risk to take because you essentially have all your fans who go like, wow, we love this. We can't wait to have more of this. You go like, well, now I'm releasing a rock record. I wonder, I found myself thinking about the time in which he got famous and how much money was being made. Because back then you sold lots of records. People bought records. Right. You were on the radio a ton. Like, I wonder if... I wonder if he had so much fucking money. He was like, look, I got fucking famous and rich being myself. First of all, I have the enough money that you can go fuck yourself. Well, what he did, which was smart, was like he released uh, a couple of albums, then joined Crosby, Stills, Nash. Right. And then they were a super group. So yeah. it's like everyone all of a sudden was like, whoa, Neil Young. And he had like a couple of hit songs with with them yeah and then people were like whoa neil young and then they went back and bought the first two albums so he had like was working on them and then was working on harvest i think while touring with crosby sills nash i mean the amount of money hit songs during that time period were worth if you wrote them was staggering (laughs) because the radio was like a real thing you your songs got played on the radio a ton i mean mean, he had enough money to just buy lionel trains out but it also depended on what kind of like you know, deal you had and how yeah. successful you were. Because it, it's not like if you were recording and making, uh, becoming successful and selling albums and stuff. Singles weren't what they were like in the 90s and CD and like record deals were not the same. It wasn't really like yeah. you were, if you had like, if you released a hit album, it would sell like 5 million copies and you would just be like, holy shit, I'm the richest person alive. Yeah, the deals were probably shittier. They didn't. Yeah, not everyone had great deals, and not everyone came out making millions and millions of dollars. Right. He, just uh, he seemed, did well. He's never seemed to have to worry. You never see him doing something that makes it seem like he gives a shit about money at all. But the thing is that that's not. It didn't really excuse the fact that, like, well, he's got a lot of money. He can just take these risks because these risks do involve, you know, spending money, and yeah. then you still have to like keep making it yeah you know you're on tour like you're living a lifestyle where like say you made like i don't know one or two million dollars like that's not gonna like last you forever yeah i mean mean? he could tour pretty big venues back then make a lot of money doing that he's great though but then to like is to still like take risks like that and throw away your career is like yeah that's nothing to like well he's got a million dollars that's not what you know he's necessarily in it for he could have no just he's definitely that's the thing he's totally ballsy and i almost think like maybe he was like this is how i got anywhere in the first place was doing what i want why would i stop right you know you see that you see when a fucking when an artist when the record label has their way or when you can tell they need money and they need a hit Well, he was sued by david geffen Great. in the 80s because he had he kind of poached him he was like i'm gonna i'm gonna bring you over to my label and he goes uh so you got to like you know release three albums with me or whatever, and then he decided to just completely do the opposite of what everyone knew and loved and respected of Neil Young, and release like kind of el- an electronica record. Right. <laughs> so it's like it, there's a couple songs that sound like Neil Young, and then the rest is like what? Um, and then he released another one called I think like Landing on Water, it, but like so Geffen flipped and was like this is not the Neil Young that I expected right and you were you were signed here to release neil young albums and that's not (laughs) what these are and then they got into this huge legal battle but and that wasn't even like the second or fucking third time he was just like i'm releasing two or three albums that are nothing like 
anyone wants. Yeah. And then he even recorded a couple that he refused to release, would release out of order. Right. He just did what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted. Yeah. And that goes into, like, for me, what makes, like, a great artist. It's not just, like, they put out these three great albums. It's the way they did it, the way they carried themselves, the way they, like, played by their own rules. It wasn't yeah. like we were signed to something and we put out three records that all kind of sound the same. They sold a lot of copies yeah. and everyone fucking loves us. Because there's way more of those oh, than yeah. guys like Neil Young and Bob Dylan. For sure. And Tool and Radiohead. I mean, it's interesting <laughs> that people have a problem when someone, everyone has such a boner for, yeah, like every low-level low person that wants to talk about art what, well, always wants to bring up Picasso's blue period. It's like, yeah, artists have periods where they do different shit. Yeah. But when they get so mad at people that change musically so Doesn't i would say like it. my the albums i mean there's plenty of people that don't listen to neil young but if you want to i'd start with everybody knows this is nowhere mm-hmm. there's a lot of great songs on that and harvest is very good obviously yeah um but if you want to like get a kind of because there's a lot of fucking neil young you out know there. you can do which is what i do is buy greatest hits at starbucks um, podcast over yeah. click it's uh, <laughs> literally the first Neil Young record I bought was a greatest hits the two worst from, things I've ever heard at, from Starbucks was it the one where it's a black and white cover he's sitting yeah. with his legs crossed playing the guitar mm-hmm. that's actually a pretty decent greatest hits he's definitely wearing red wings so um, why I bought it but if you want to start with like a, he actually had the idea of doing this he released an, uh, a compilation called Decade so mm-hmm. it was his first 10 years oh under. I like I like when bands do that when you do it by like chronologically when they were it was like his first 10 years with whatever the i can't blanking on the, like atlantic or whatever label he was with from kind of from the beginning yeah uh and it's just full of fucking great shit yeah i don't think anything on the beach everyone loves i think that's a really good album too um it's kind of dark and interesting and weird awesome album cover it's really really cool album cover um but yeah i'd start with those three and get decade it's full of like his greatest his greatest shit right um all right, your turn. Um, the second band, Tom Petty. Okay, yeah, Petty's awesome. I fucking love Tom Petty. Tom I Petty's can so ne- cool. I have, I can, I put his music on probably all. I mean, I've ne- I can put it on all the time. I never go through periods where I'm like, eh, I. That guy has written so many good songs. There's and, someone that was influenced by Dylan too. You could hear oh, his Dylan, voice. I think, and Neil Young too. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's what the when the Traveling Wilburys were a band. Yeah, I remember there there were all these jokes like, D- who did Dylan be like? So I get the voice in this song, and then you get the voice in the next song. Yeah. So yeah, Petty clearly, especially in the beginning, clearly Dylan's a huge influence on him. I I just to, there's something about Tom Petty where it's like he's the most successful loser his song a lot of his songs to me are like from the perspective of someone who's like life it's like things didn't work out but like he has that one song even losers get lucky sometime yeah even the like losers. he really sees it like he's not a winner he's not he wasn't like i mean maybe he was the cool guy yeah but like he there's something about his perspective i find really unique and his songs are so simple a lot they are seemingly simple but so fucking great. There's so many great ones. I love, like he'll just even when he like mentions like being in the valley, like you're like fuck yeah, man, I've been to the valley. Like there's something so ex- he he feels like one of us. Yeah. Like I and I'm he's way older than me. We've probably had a completely different life, 
But when I listen to that dude, I'm like, yeah, man, me and you, we're the same. So what's like a couple of songs that are like that for you with him? Uh, even the Losers is one yeah. of those. I mean, even uh, I love American Girl a ton. Yeah. I fucking love that song so much. Even Last Dance with Mary Jane. I lo- oh, there's, there's a song on one of his later albums called Swingin'. It's basically went down swinging. Uh-huh. And it's just about all these dudes who fucking failed, yeah, but at yeah. least they went down. It's like Tommy Dorsey and all the Glenn Miller. And it's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, man, he went down, but fuck him. It's like that uh, he has that song, I Won't Back Down, yeah, which is about him being sued by his record label. Yeah, Somebody sued him a lot. You know, it was like a similar thing to Neil Young or something where he got sued, he couldn't make records. And it's just like, that's another guy who's like, no, man, fuck you. Yeah, that's a good song. I remember that was like some fucking shitty Republican AM radio host used to use that mm-hmm. as his intro song for a show. It used to drive me insane. And for a while, I didn't like it because it was. I would always associate. I remember it Pat no- Pat Oswalt had a bit about how Republicans stole rock and roll and how he right. gave he gives NPR money so he doesn't have to listen to it. He's like, you turn NPR, it's just like a sad saxophone. You turn Fox News, it's like the White Stripes. Yeah, you're like, God damn it! But yeah, no, he. I like the fact that Tom Petty is just like. I don't know, and he's. He, I'm not a stoner, but he's a huge stoner, mm-hmm. and he's just like, man, why don't you calm down? Everyone, shut up! Like, he's, he's have something... you ever seen him live? No, it's, I would really like it's to. It's really great. <sighs> I saw him in San Francisco like years back. But one of my favorite things about Tom Petty, I'd is, like to go to Petty Fest. Is there such thing? I yeah, didn't know that. Mm-hmm. the uh, Kings of Leon play it every year. That's it's, cool. It's Petty Fest. I would like to. Um, I would like to go to that. That'd be great. Yeah. One of my favorite things about him, though, is that watching him live you're like this guy plays like he's still in his 30s and and i've i've read this i don't know if it's still true but he still loves to play free fallen dude free fallen's got skateboarding in the video one of the best songs ever it's so good is that the record that rick rubin did i don't think so or maybe rick rubin did a greatest hits it i'm sure that was before rick rubin was even rick rubin Oh, you might. Yeah, you might be right. Rick Rubin wasn't around until like the 80s. I think Free Fallen was the 80s because I saw it on MTV and there was skateboarding in the video on a mini ramp, which means that was the 80s. And it was, I remember specifically, I think Chris Miller was the skater and his board had a kick nose, which means it was about 1989, 90. Bang. Remember they're on that mini ramp and they're like skating in slow motion? I'm trying to remember when. So Rick Rubin probably started. Beastie um, Boys is like 84, 82, 83, 84, 85, but I don't know when he, he became like a rock guy. Yeah, he didn't get into rock until like... But didn't the, he sign Slayer like while at Def Jam? Slayer was on Def Jam. No, he s- took them... Somewhere else? Under American recordings. That uh, was his like okay. metal. Oh, that was his metal thing. Yeah. Okay. I remember anytime you saw a fucking CD with that American, it was all like yeah. black and gun metal gray, and it just said American. You're like, this is fucking heavy metal right now. Yeah. <laughs> it felt so good every time you'd see yeah. that American Records fucking logo artwork thing on a CD. It just felt, you just knew whatever that album was was going to fucking rock and roll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, I don't know if Rick Rubin had anything. I to think do he was. I think early. it must have been a greatest hits because you know what? Now that I think of it, there was like a VH1 thing about it. Yeah, and it was like Rick Rubin remastering something. Right, he was like remastering Tom Petty's. But Tom Petty, to me, well, you know what? I'll look it up. Outside of country music, I think Tom Petty is like for me the most like blue collar dude. That dude's one of us. What about fucking Springsteen, dude? 
That he's, guy embodies blue collar. He is blue collar. Yeah, but I'm not a Springsteen guy. You I, I re- fu- podcast over. I respect <laughs> him from afar, and I do definitely love those so- some of the songs, but I've never bought a Springsteen record. You know what one you should get, and if, even if it's just the only one? Born in the USA. No, no, no. <laughs> Darkness on the Edge of Town. Is that the one with Born to Run? No, that would be Born to Run. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love when things like that happen. You're like, oh my God, this is going to be perfect. But I get to say, no, that would be the exact thing you just said. Like this happened to me once when, and this one is not easy to figure out, but when I... That's the bad... Is that the one with Against the Grain? No, that would be the album uh, Against the Grain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So someone was like, when I didn't know where the Wiltern was, the the music venue for (laughs) those that aren't from LA, um, I was like, where's the the Wiltern at? And someone was like, "Uh, Wilshire and Western. And then it like... That's not as good. I know it's not as good, but it, right when I don't even know who remember who it was, but the way he said it when he did, I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> but it's like it doesn't occur to you all the time. But he still used that moment to go, yeah. uh, "Wilshire and Western," like, "Oh, uh, you idiot!" And I'm like, yeah. "Well, I mean, how was I supposed to? I didn't." Where's the Fountain Theater on Fountain? <laughs> yeah, that would be one where you're like, "Okay, yeah. well that." Yeah. But then still, you're like, "Well, Fountain and what, dude? Fountain goes on forever." Yeah, it's like miles and miles and miles. Yeah. Um, but no, he I like Tom Petty to me is like one of us. It helps that he lives in California, and it helps that he has mentioned California in songs, and that he like seems to be like dude, a California free dude. Free fallen. And, he's just fucking like listing dude. fucking L.A. locations. Yeah, and, and it, I'm like fucking God. and there's there was skateboarding in the video. It was mind blowing to me. That dude is like he's he's like our guy. I love that dude. Although you know what I never got into, and I wish I, he was in that band before he was. Went solo. He was a band called Mud Crutch. Uh huh. I think it's Mud Crutch. And they he got back together with them like five years ago and just made a record. I never got it. I need to get it. Oh, dude, that's got to be online. He can't. Right? He was it's rehearsing not. at Sony when I was working there, and uh, the, Sony uses this stage to rehearse like huge Sony ba- or whatever bands. You can use it to set up like your full arena show and rehearse. But he was never rehearsing. Actually, they just kept setting up, and I was never there when they were playing. Yeah. But I did listen to um. Uh, Paul McCartney once. One of my uh, when I actually the f- when I first got into Tom Petty was the best of too. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there was, just, fir- there was a first best so of record much. that w- it was great because it had like twenty eight songs. It was a double were, disc. Yeah, it was fucking fantastic. Was it the essential something? Tom yeah. Petty or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it just gave you like a good run through of like here's all his shit. And he had good videos too. Too. I don't remember any of his. Don't come though. around here no more. It was Alice in Wonderland? It was all weird. It was like the perfect '80s, like psychedelic, so, pseudo psychedelic video. Mary Jane's Last Dance was also a fucking weird video. Yeah, that one's who and who played it was uh, uh, Claudia Schiffer, one of those nope, models. No, no, it was Vic, it was the girl from Batman, the one who played Vicky Vale in the first Batman. I think she was Mary Jane. Michelle what's her Pfeiffer? No, nope. no, she was she was Catwoman. What was the first? Who the fuck? I don't remember. This lady was fucking famous. The fact that I c- she was so famous. Yeah, I remember finding it weird. I'm like, that girl's the fucking. I thought it was like Claudia Schiffer. What? No, it wasn't Claudia Schiffer. What was her Let name? Me, I'm gonna look it up. Angela. Okay. It wasn't Angela. It was uh, not Angela okay, Bassett. Music video. Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger married to Alec, Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah, Kim Basinger was so famous. Yeah, you were like, what the fuck is she doing in this video? And yeah. then you're like, Tom Petty's a fucking boss. And let's be honest, the Strokes pretty much stole the beginning of American Girl for their hit last night. 
But yeah, I fucking love Tom Petty all day. Guy is great. I am not able to find what Rick Rubin did with Tom Petty. It was definitely something. But yeah, there was a they watched a thing about it. I think he remastered a thing at this time. Hold on, uh, maybe it's that essential one. I don't know. Look up that song "Swinging" though. A lot of people. It's on that album "Echoes" or "Echo." And it's a fucking great song, man. It's just oh, you know what? Uh, that's the one he did with Rick Rubin, Echo. But that oh, wasn't okay. until 1999. But maybe a Greatest Hits doesn't get listed as producer because you didn't actually produce it. You, like, remastered it. It would be weird that Rick Rubin would produce a Greatest Hits thing. Uh, isn't he, like, a famous remasterer of things, though? No, he's I'm like... telling you, I watched a VH1 show, and they're sitting... And they're sitting and talking, and Rick Rubin's like boxes of tapes. He's talking about it, and Tom Petty goes, "Oh yeah, a lot of these songs sound out starting sounding different." You know the song like uh, "Breakdown." I love go- "Breakdown." Yeah. He said originally it was like this weird blues thing where it was like "Breakdown." Go Come ahead, on, give it to me. He goes, he literally goes, "Go ahead, give it to me." And fucking Rick Rubin's dying laughing because he's like, "Oh my god, I want to hear that version." That's and just funny. they show just boxes of tapes. That's not remastering though. That's just producing. No, no, no. They weren't record. They weren't record. These were already recorded songs. So Rick Rubin was taking the pre-existing tapes and then, like, okay. you know, remastering the mixes to make them clearer for CD, basically. Okay. That's yeah. That's remastering. Yeah, and he's just laughing hysterically at Tom Petty going, "Breakdown, go ahead and give it to me." <laughs> that's so weird. It was cool. You could probably find that thing on Netflix though. But yeah, just the boxes of tapes, and you're like, "Oh, this is the ori- this is the the original master of American Girl." You're like, "What?" Just so crazy. Sometimes I'm always like, "I don't want to hear the alternate weird versions of songs I know and love so much," because then you're like, "It was like that." Yeah, they all. St- I mean, especially with a guy like that, they all start out like you know very simple acoustic songs. I would imagine. So he did 1994 Wildflowers, mm-hmm. and then in '99 he did the other one, Echo. Yeah, swinging, great song. Um, great song. What was on Wildflower? You don't know how it feels. That's a great song. Oh yeah. You don't know. Okay. Um, that's like the only hit on that one. Um, his last album debuted at number one. Whatever he just put out, I believe. Yeah, he's had a couple in the two thousand. That's what's that what's happened. Actually, were able to like chart high. Well, there's a new stat now where because. The only people who buy physical CDs Old are people. of the age 35 to 50. Yeah. Older rock bands are now having number one hits because if you sell 50,000 albums in a week, yeah. you're Boom. number one. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there was Tom Petty and there was someone else old before that. 50,000 is the new 5 million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, NSYNC broke the record at 1.9 million in, like, 48 hours. And now, if you sell 100,000 in a week, you are humongous. Back then, it would be, like, every fucking few months it'd be someone would be like 1.1 million yeah copies. eminem it was eminem 1. and nsync million and yeah. then like backstreet boys did it and then nsync did it a few weeks later with like 2.1 yeah in the first week it was yeah. like those numbers were mind-boggling yeah and now it's like sell a million like good luck whatever beyonce sells three million copies of a record and that's insanity yeah it's fucking nuts yeah who's your next band uh my next band is wilco Oh, yes. Which you still haven't gotten into. I know nothing. And you're wrong 
<laughs> not be into them. Um, here's why Wilco's great. Now, it's kind of, and I felt bad about picking a band that's like in, in a similar genre because it's like that Americana, folk rock kind of thing. It's but just like, your thing. When you're fucking old now like me, no. Yeah, look. Um, I don't sit there and I don't fucking get down with the heavy metal and the <laughs> punk rock like the kids these days. Um, here and there, you're like, yeah, fucking hard rock or whatever. But like now, it, you know, Wilco is uh, like an American. People call them the American Radiohead. Okay. That's the thing people have said about them. Bold a lot. statement. And in some ways, it's true. Um, They're like a folk rock kind of like Americana rock band. Um, they've been around since like the mid-90s. People mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, they've been around. That's what honestly sort of sees, keeps me from getting into them is they've been around so long. I'm like, where do I even start? I don't know what to do here. Um, but I mean, they don't have like a billion albums or anything, but I became familiar with them when the documentary came out. People were like, you got to see this movie. And I was like, I haven't heard the music. There's a, Actually, one of them would be a good way to get into the, because one of them is a concert film. Oh, okay. So it's just like them playing full songs and then they'll kind of like, you know, Oh. Talking between about being on the road and you know how they met each other, and it's called Ashes of American Flags. It's fucking great. It's really enjoyable. Um, but I like Wilco. Um, I got into them in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. maybe two thousand like three or something. When a Ghost Is Born came out, right? And I was like, that's a cool fucking album title, A Ghost Is Born. And then the cover was all white, and then there was just like an egg, a white egg. And it just looked cool and weird. And that was kind of their, one of their like kind of weirder, more experimental approaches when just straight up like fucking country rock or whatever. Right. Like their earlier stuff. So it was interesting in that way. You're like their genre blending in a really cool way. That's when people kind of started calling them the American Radiohead when Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and A Ghost is Born came out. Because they're like, they're doing weird stuff with sound and it sounds fucking great. Jeff Tweedy is an awesome lyricist. There are fucking heartbreaking songs did about Jeff Tweedy have solo records he's had he just released a second one or is about to where his son plays the drums but did he have solo records like before he was in Wilco or has he always been in Wilco no he was in Uncle Tupelo okay I've heard which of is that. like another band right um, that was pretty much the same genre probably more stripped down okay and then he was in uh, I, feel, I think it was called Golden Smog Gold, something like okay. that it was another band like that so we kind of had a couple of runs at, at at that kind of thing before and then they started Wilco or he started Wilco and then it just like you know became a thing um, as a lyricist he's great he's got a good voice they can really rock and roll when they want that's what I was going to ask can they rock yeah especially after they, they got rid of their uh, their original guitarist and then they have a new guy now named he's been on he's been on for the last like three albums but he's new as far as as long as they've been around his name is nels klein and dude he has guitar solos where you're just like this is fucking america right he shreds now. He, sh- he can fucking shred shreds and brings hot licks um he's really really great right um Really good Wilco albums are fucking all of them all right you go- okay um, <laughs> This I is would, part of what keeps me away from them. Right. They, I would do have, start, they do have a devoted fan base that will get mad at you. Um, our battery's about to die, so let's pause right now, change it, okay. and I'll continue with the best Wilco albums that you should get. Okay, so Wilco albums that you need to fucking own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that you should consider getting... Fucking right. get them. No, um... 
I would say Being There is a great album. The name, too, is so good. Being There. It's a double. <laughs> it's a two-disc. Right. Uh, so many great songs. It ranged from, they ranged from like just sad, kind of simple, acoustic, you know, singer-songwritery folk songs to songs where they kind of fucking rock it a little bit. Look. They rock it. They're like country rock, you know? Uh, like alt-country. They kind of like help bring that genre uh, kind of into the mainstream a little bit. What are other bands that are alt-country? Um, I would say the very first alt-country band you could argue or guy was Graham Parsons, and that was back in like the 70s. He's yeah. the reason there's a Jeff Tweedy. He's the reason there's like a, a lot of these guys. Graham right. Parsons is really good. Died very young, drug overdose. Okay. Um, but very good, very influential. I just recently got into him. He's one of those guys where I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it one day. And people were like, dude, if you like fucking Wilco and bands like this, like do it. Uh, Okerville River kind of does that. Alt-rock, okay. alt-country rock thing. Uh, the Avit Brothers do it very well. Someone was just talking about them to me. They're so they're like considered very good. Yeah, they um they have an album called I and Love and You. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome beginning to end. Okay, really really good. They're from like North Carolina or something. They're really good. Um, so yeah, I would get Being There. Um, Summer Teeth is one of their earlier ones. That's mm-hmm. a, that's really good. There's a lot of great songs on there. Uh, I'd start with those two, and. Uh, and then see how you feel. Okay. They're really good. Um, my next band, Built to Spill. Fuck yeah, it's Built to Spill. When I first Just got an, when I first got an iPod, which was later than most people. Mm-hmm. Almost, me too, by the way. It took me a long time. Almost they weren't fucking cheap back then. I just never I didn't know how to do it. But like a good I didn't have a lot of songs on it and probably seventy percent of it was built to spill. Yeah. I fucking love built to spill so much i've listened to them for years if again if you put just hours spent listening to a band built to spill may actually be the most i probably i may have spent more time listening to built to spill than almost any other band maybe more than radiohead for real i built because built spill has a lot of records they're very listenable Whereas even some, even with some of the newer Radiohead records, you kind of have to be in the mood for that. Whereas Built to Spill has stayed similar enough with still being changing from album to album, but you can listen to fucking all of them at any given time. Mm-hmm. Keep it like a secret. Mm-hmm. Dude, those records, so many. I don't even, that's the thing, I don't even, I probably can't even delineate from album to album because I just listen to them. I'll just put it like open up on my phone or in my iPod. And listen to all the songs in a row. So there are no albums to me. They're just whatever two hundred yeah. sweet, you know, whatever a hundred built to spill songs that I just listen to in order. You know, right now our younger listeners are even before we said that are probably just like these guys listen to albums. What the yeah. fuck is wrong with these? <laughs> like they know what albums are even called or songs. Yeah, but yeah, you just listen to all the songs in a row that you know. I'll just all all the albums just play in a row. Yeah. I don't. I can't sometimes can't even distinguish between from one album to the next because. Uh-huh. The fucking, they're so good. That was one of my issues, sort of, with them. You actually introduced me to them. Oh, really? You were like, you got to get into Built to Spill. This is years back. But I listened to like a few albums, but they all kind of have too similar of a sound. Where like, yeah, I have no idea. Some songs, I'm like, are those the same one? They don't change a ton, and it's weird. They don't make. They take big breaks between records. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's. I think it's mostly the head guy. Doug Marsh, uh-huh. it's kind of his band, and I think that's the kind. His solo record was very similar, and that's just the kind of stuff. The kind of stuff he likes to make. But like, dude, 
And also, you want to talk about a band that could not look less cool? I was just going to say, they <laughs> are just t-shirt and jeans. Jean shorts. Yeah. And not not jorts, not I, cut-off jean shorts with a hem. I want to say that maybe when I saw them, one of the dudes was wearing cargo shorts. It probably. I, I saw them at the House of Blues. He was wearing jean shorts at night indoors. Yeah. I mean... They he, don't care. They look like roadies. It, they don't even look like cool roadies. They just, yeah. They're just they just dudes. Even roadies are like, guys, step it up a notch. Like, yeah, we're on. all black something. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. rip. They're fucking great. If you've ever seen them, and they occasionally do this, they cover the full version of Freebird, and That's they fine. melt faces with it. <laughs> right. It is glorious. <laughs> they did not do that when I saw them. When I last they were really them, good. Last time I saw them, it, they did an all-cover show, but then they closed with Freebird, and... Mm. We didn't know we were going to get the full version. We were like, ah, oh, you're going to fuck with Freebird for a minute. And then you were like, oh, no. <laughs> did the whole thing. You're doing this whole thing. And then it became so epic. Yeah. But no, I love Built to Spill. All I listen to them all the time. Still. That, to me, was my all... Favorite basically, Built to Spill song? <sighs> you were wrong. You were wrong. I like the name of that. <laughs> it's just... It's him saying... Basically taking issue with all the songs that had positive outlooks throughout history. You were wrong oh, when you that. said everything was going to be all right. I remember that. And then yeah. it's you were right when we said we're just dust in the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that song's fantastic. That's funny. Yeah. Also, there's a song. I think it's called Strange. Also, I realize this when it comes to being a music fan. The things I don't do, I very rarely learn the song titles. I don't really learn the album titles. Really? I just listen to the songs. I don't open up the lyric books. I just listen to the songs a million times. I've never been a person that like sits there with the lyrics and like reads but them along. Like uh, that, like album titles and song nope. titles. I mean, I maybe learn them. Uh, song titles for sure. I don't. Wow. I just kind of don't. I've never done it. That's and I know it's surprising because we like grew up listening to music when there were still actual physical albums you could hold. So yeah. it's like there were always the words or the titles and that were always kind of right there. I mean, I maybe it depends, but like I just I, I never did that really. I just kind of listened to the music. I just I don't I just put on this thing and yeah, I ne- yeah. I don't really I would look at the artwork of the CD well, package yeah, sometimes, but like after that I just kind of put it away. I never looked at it again. I was so the opposite. I would like obsessively have to know who um not who um the name of the album every track title and number like what this is song three it's called this right and then for a little while was like who produced the album because for what you get into like these like patterns you're like well this guy produced this and that and that so i gotta find other shit he's done yeah because before you could just fucking google a lot of times i would only be like what's your favorite song on that record i'd be like seven yeah (laughs) like i would i'd kind of figure out that in what year the album came out see i would know that too I never, I just, I, all I wanted to do was hear it. I just, did, I didn't want to like, and a lot of times I would look up the lyrics if I was confused about what they were saying, but also sometimes I wouldn't even look into it. Like some Radiohead lyrics were like, I don't know what he's saying. And there's some Radiohead albums where he didn't put the lyrics in. Yeah. They're not in the liner notes. I would actually wait on the lyric. I would like not want to know. Cause for me, that would be the last thing I could hear really right, and yeah. figure kind of piece together. So at first I would like just listen to the song and then wait till they kind of formed into like songs for me and i was like okay i like you know tracks four seven eight nine ten um and then after that you would kind of start figuring out the lyrics and the song would take on whatever meaning you gave it you know yeah and then after that you would like kind of read the lyrics and either go like oh it's different than what i thought right but i think after you 
read the lyrics and really knew it, it was shortly thereafter that I would kind of be done with the song. Right. So I'd usually wait a long time on the lyrics because I'm like, I want to keep enjoying this before I've solved it. I usually just kill... What I do with albums when I like one is I get an album and if I like it, I listen to it every day. That's the only album I listen to for like two months. Yeah, I would do that too. That's basically what I've always done. Because then you really like... That's my problem with music now and the way people take it in is that they don't give it enough time. Right. They go like, oh, yeah, yeah, I listen to that. You're like, for how long? What are yeah, the no. fucking songs called? What are your favorite lyrics? Yeah. No, I, I put in a record and, uh, and I just listened to only that for like a really long time. Yeah, you got to really like take it in. Nah, build a spill, man. Also, they did. They have a song. It's, I think it's called "Strange." It's about how being strange isn't that weird. So <laughs> everyone thinks they're so strange. It's like, nah. Yeah. Everyone's basically weird. But I did a lot of like artwork. All my arts, most of art school was doing artwork. Anytime you got to do a mock album cover, I either did Radiohead or Built to Spill. Mm-hmm. I did one of the best illustrations I've come up with, or just not. Well, I mean, it, you know, it was a good idea I came up with based on Built to Spill. I did a kid building a house of cards that he's standing on right it's been you and it 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 was for uh, the idea was built to spill but then the kings of leon used it for a poster in vegas because of the playing cards but even then i was like that's a really good idea (laughs) but it's all i mean it's just that notion that even their name is cool built to spill Mm -hmm. they fucking rule yeah and they look like nerds (laughs) Mm. i'm always a little underwhelmed with their t-shirt selection but they've had some good ones that's always a bummer when a band you really love kind of doesn't even get near the mark when it comes to merch. You're like, I would love to promote you guys, but their your last shirts a- suck. Their last album cover, though, was cool. It was this weird graphite drawing, this kind of trippy uh-huh. drawing I really liked. Sometimes their shirts are really rad. They did one that was like looked like snowflakes, but when you got up closer, they were like drawn out of little tiny guitars. Mm-hmm. They can be rad. I mean, I'd love to I'd do anything to do a t-shirt for Built to Spill. My head would explode. I bet you could make that happen. When they were touring with the Kings of Leon, oh, I yeah, was that like, was your chance. What happened? I didn't, I just, at the time, I don't know why I was doing something else. I was like, Brett. But after the fact, I was like, dude, the tour was like ending. I was like, can you get, to, they have an art director? He's like, no, <laughs> they don't have an art director. But, and he didn't have like, he hadn't developed a personal enough relationship. But I was like, dude, if I could do a t-shirt for Built to Spill, we could all just die happy. Yeah. <laughs> like I could, I'm done. I'd be like, see you later, everybody. Yeah. You'd retire. Yeah, but I that is a band. And what's great about them, if you get if you got into them now, is they have a lot of albums. Yeah, keep it like a secret. I remember they had a they put out a new record, and Max Max Collins is really into Built to Spill. He's what got me into them. And I was like, "What do you think of that new record?" He goes, "It's it's like it's just ear candy. It's just so great. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy. Their music to me is very easy to listen to, but also has tons of depth. Yeah, like you know." I just think they're that's rad. really important because the ones that are just like superficial on every level, you you burn through that so yeah. fast. Yeah, or like, something that's trying to be exceptionally odd and hard to listen to. You, it's very hard to get into. Yeah, I had a lot of trouble getting to TV on the radio. That's my third one. Yeah, I figured, yeah. but I I try with them. Yeah, and there are some good songs, but then when they get into a noise song, I'm like, you're losing me here. And I'm not averse to liking that shit, but for some reason, and I wanted to like them so bad. What did you? What albums did you listen to? This is a great set. The one with the hit. One. The one with the. They had the only the hit. They their mean? one hit. Their biggest album. They're, well, that wouldn't be that one. The one after that, probably. Well, the 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 hit you're thinking of, staring at the sun. Dun, 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 bah, bah, bah. 
What? Da, 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 da. No. Wait, oh that's no, not. that's Wolf Like Me. That was so. Yeah, that was the album after that. That's Return to Cookie Mountain. Yeah, great album title. Great album um, title. <laughs> so TV on the radio uh, would be my number three, and they are a Brooklyn-based art rock band. I yeah. always had a problem with that genre yeah. name because it's like, well, what the fuck does art rock mean? Like, it's really how just do you alt rock? Isn't like all rock art rock? Because I mean, all rock and all music is art and blah, 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 blah. Do they call Sonic Youth art rock? They call them noise rock. See, to me, TV and the radios and Sonic Youth are very similar. Oh, whoa. No. Genre wise. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Do, do, like, noise, noise scapes. No, <laughs> Sonic Youth is way more noise rock, shoegazy, kind of like dense. They're more like shoegazy. Uh, I've never heard that till right now. Shoegaze is a yeah, it's a genre. <laughs> like pavement kind of gets yeah. that a little bit. Um, there's a. I'm not that crazy about. Like, That's shoegaze. a great thing to call that genre. Yeah, it's like and when it's, I. F- it's very literal. It's, it's like, like when they, I first heard sweatercore. I was like, yes, yeah. that makes perfect sense. It's they are these musicians that are just like playing this like this genre of music and they're always looking down yeah. gazing at their shoes <laughs> literally where it came from and i was like fuck that goddamn genre title um there's some good shoegaze bands but um but yeah tv on the radio is like uh they they started as like art students of course they did and then they were like let's make music and they were like really good at putting like videos together they have like really interesting a cool lot videos. of really important people started in art school guys <laughs> um and uh and they got they got together and like let's let's make some music. Two of the guys in the band uh, write lyrics and sing. So they kind of when you listen to the albums, you can hear right that you can hear it alternate. Like the kind of more serious, uh, darker songs. I don't want I hesitate to use that word, but the the more serious ones are are written by Tunde, whatever his last name is. Um, it, he to me is what is is he the black dude? They are all black except one guy. The okay. producer guitarist really? is white. Yeah. Which one died? Didn't they? Someone in the band died. Yeah, uh, the I feel like it was the bassist Gerard Smith, Gerard whatever. Yeah, hmm. he died like a couple years ago. Um, they have a new album coming out very soon. Okay, in like November, um, November seventeenth, I think. Um, so yeah, they got together and they just started making like really interesting, like weird music, and they're they're really good at like genre blending too, where there's like a little bit of what feels like kind of 70s-ish funk dance stuff okay. with like just serious like kind of indie alt rock and it you when i first heard it i was just like where what is this right like when you can't figure it out right away but it still has like a really like accessible like pull where you're like i want to figure this out how do you fe- how do you think of them in in comparison to like no age they're a little more Funky than No okay. Age. Do you no find Age is like no, a great example of shoegazy noise rock. Do no you Age find No Age listenable? Not as much as TV on the radio. Okay. They also TV on the radio has over the years gotten more accessible. Like oh. if you start with their first album, it's super dense. It's very just. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of sound. It's not the one I always recommend people get into right away because right. you're just like, like staring at the sun is a very like dense song it's there's no like real hooks and like it's not like hey poppy i can fucking put this in the you know right. on the car while i'm driving <coughs> return to cookie mountain has more accessible songs like wolf like me the one you, you were thinking of yeah. like that and a few others but it's still like really interesting there's like some like the, a few of the songs get kind of political and uh 
lyrically, there's some interesting stuff going on with them, especially Tunde's songs. Not as much Kit, Mal- Kit Malone as the guy with the crazy beard and like the, the big hair. Okay. Um, In my head, he's the lead singer. No. They're, they, I mean, they kind of split the duties of, okay. you know, they each... It's probably like 50-50. Okay. When you're looking at the albums, it's just like, this one was written by him, this one was written by him. Right. Um, and then um, Dear Science is a really good album. Uh-huh. That's, I think that was the one right after it's Cookie a good name Mo. for an album. It really is, yeah. And that's more accessible than the one before it. Right. And uh, Nine Types of Light is the one after that. I feel like I'll definitely buy the new record. Yeah. I would get uh, Dear Science. Try that out. See how you like that. Okay. Um, it's a great name. Yeah, it really is. It's such some, a good name for something. There's some really good songs on there. Right. There's some really good songs on there. Um, but yeah, they just do like, they just have that art rock thing handled, man. That's the thing. I wanted to like them more than I do because they seem to really be really like interesting and like experimental. I was like, I should like this band. And like yeah. my friend Ashley really likes them and she's like, they're rad. And yeah. I'm like, I feel stupid not liking this shit. Yeah. And like I, I say, I wish I liked No Age a little more. Because yeah. I'm like, the cool, Me the too. people I know who are cool fucking love this band. But it's like you were saying earlier. It's like when people go like, oh, Slater Kinney and like uh, fucking Neutral Milk Hotel and all these bands where you're yeah. like, do you really fucking love, love, see, like, love them? Ed Templeton legitimately loves No Age. Like goes yeah. to see them, loves No you Age. Know, I'm, I'm definitely so, sure there are people that really do, but like... For the amount of people that say, oh, one of my favorites, it's like, yeah. are they really? Or do you have to say that in order to show people that, like, dude, I'm, in it, I'm into interesting stuff, too? You know, my favorite Sleater Kenny record is Portlandia. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, too. Um, so, yeah. Um, and part of my picking these bands were, like, I don't want to just pick, you know, like, oh, Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, fucking, you know. Because those are, like, we all like them. We all I mean, I thought stuff. of saying James Brown. I fucking, I've never, yeah, I've, a, I've never heard a James Brown song I don't like. Dude, there is a great video where James Brown and the Rolling Stones actually are oh, playing yeah. on this show called, I can't remember what. Well, there's that documentary where Keith Richards tries to put together a band for him. Oh, no, that's Little Richard. Sorry. So in this TV show, it's a clip from an old TV show that was like taped out in LA, Santa Monica somewhere. Mm-hmm. It would just have like live bands would be on the show. Yeah. And the Rolling Stones play, um, and they have to follow James Brown, and they can't do it. <laughs> no, you can't. And you got to watch this performance. You can't follow James Brown. Because it's, it's just unbelievable, the energy and like passion yeah. that he has. And he's like a young guy still, and you're just like, holy fuck. There's no following James Brown. It was really, really unbelievable. It's impossible. And the Stones were young and hadn't become like a fucking edgy crazy. And they were just like, yeah. what do we do? <laughs> yeah. No, you don't follow him. Yeah. Well, that's the, also the story at Woodstock. The Stones at, or was it the Stones or the, no, it was the Who. Uh-huh. The Who asked if they could go in front of Jimi Hendrix because they were supposed to go after oh, yeah. They were like, hey, so yeah. could we go? This guy's going to literally it, light the stage on fire. And uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, the guitar player look. He goes, "Yeah, Keith just looked at me like, or uh, yeah, uh, Jimi Hendrix looked at me like, you little piece of shit." He's mm. like, "Yeah, go ahead, you little pussy." <laughs> that's funny. And he's like, "Oh no, you guys just want to get out there with the breaking things first. He's yeah. like, "Yeah, basically, that's what we want to do." <laughs> that's funny. Who's um, your Who's your band? You're embarrassed of. Uh, you go first. Dave Matthews Band. I hate. 
I look. That's one of those bands partially was ruined by like his fans. He had like garbage bag fans. It was like the original frat band. Yeah, they were like the pop collar bros. Yeah, like, Dave's the best. But I man, call those, him by his first name only because let's let's we first, know him. <laughs> I liked those first few albums. I had them all. Max liked them too. We all liked. We like guitar playing was interesting. The drummer is amazing. That's and the thing s- with them is that they're all like skilled musicians, and yeah. everyone's always like, dude, when you see them live, they really fucking jam. I I never saw them live. I bet you it's great and he they were all just like great musicians the song seemed kind of weird he sang weird and i was like this is good shit and i liked it i liked it hard i liked it for a while and it took me a long time to i don't know that i i don't know that i was like you have to stop listening to dave matthews man i just sort of start did yeah but like dude i still like there's some little songs you put it in i i those were good songs yeah (laughs) and he was sort of funny that we were talking about this last night actually but the um the the album he did with Tim Reynolds is mm-hmm. really legitimately good. Tim Reynolds is a great guitarist. He's obviously a good musician. And they put a record out together and it's fucking good. Yeah. But I mean there was a girl at the comedy store last week who had like the Dave Matthews band dancer logo. That oh, no, logo uh, uh like tattooed on or, or like on her back. Wow. And I was just clowning her. That's so funny. Who was it? I don't know. Was it a comedian or just like a girl? I don't know. Just like I think it was just a girl. Wow. But yeah, it's just like, dude. But I, I mean, I mean, I imagine seeing like like Dave Matthews Band couldn't be bigger in like Denver. Yeah. But I bet you, if you saw him at Red Rock, first of all, you'd be surrounded by people you hate, and you'd get so high on accident because there'd be more weed there than anywhere else in the world. I wonder if though now the crowds wouldn't be as annoying because they're all adults. I dude, I bet you they get fired up though to see Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> Probably, but they're not going to be as douchey. I was talking to someone anymore. I know from Denver. They don't even call they. It's DMB, DMB. The, Dave Matthews Band. They don't even call him Dave Matthews Band. It's like oh, DMB played. That's weird. Yeah, I thought they just call him Dave. But yeah, it, dude, I imagine seeing him at like Red Rock was is probably amazing. But I, I never mean, yeah. did. There's that's that's one that, you don't. You're like, oh, dude, Matthews Band killer. There's some bands that aren't like great, you know, as far as studio albums, and you don't like their shit. But like when you see them live, you're like, oh, these guys are like. See, I musicians. thought he was great on like a studio album. It was sounded weird. There was a violin player. There was lots of interesting sounds. Yeah, no, but, for them they are because they are skilled yeah. musicians. But like, if you, I'm saying, if you listen to an album, you're like, it's not my cup of tea. But if you watch them live. They're just so good at performing and being musicians that the yeah. energy still is captivating. That's what, I mean, I, I went to see the Kings of Leon last week, and my friend Justin came, who's not a huge fan of them anymore, right. and hasn't liked their last few albums. Yeah. But he was just like, they're really good live. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they can kill a huge venue. Yeah. You know, like really, like, and you see a lot of people kind of having that realization because that's a show that a lot of people go to just because they can get tickets. Right. It's kind of a hard ticket to get at, in LA. Right. So I don't, I think a lot of people there are not necessarily fans, but after the, after they're done, you're like, fuck, that was a good show. Like they, I mean, I like their, all their records, but they, they're really good live. Yeah, they are. They're really I mean, good. Dude, there are so many bands like that where you're like, I fucking totally don't like their music. But if you yeah. saw them live, you'd be like, well, you can't take away from the fact that they know how to play. They know DMB. what they're doing out there. DMB. Yeah. <laughs> um, my embarrassing one, and it's funny because I still don't think it's embarrassing, but I've heard enough over the years that it is. Right. And I mentioned him earlier, Marilyn Manson. I thought I thought you had a wor- I thought you had another one. I have a really terrible one, but I don't count it because it's not. I literally just like one album, and then I realized later I was like not yeah. even that much later okay. that I was way wrong. See, I some Marilyn Manson's 
good songs are good. Beautiful People's a good fucking heavy yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I I've always had a huge amount of respect for what he did on a like a pop culture level. Yeah, he was like uh he changed the narrative of pop culture for was, a while. What he was very very good at was being a showman. He's a provocateur. Yeah, he was a showman and he was like he knew the character. Yeah. And he knew how to like like get under people's skin and he knew how to make all of that marketable and he knew how to like sell the image yeah, it's, of the band. It's because he was just a dude from fucking Florida. His name is Brian Warner. Yeah, like, he's not like this crazy. He's Satanist. like Satan. He was like Satan's answer to David Bowie. It's he like, like brought back Alice that, Cooper, that kind of glam rock thing. But yeah. he just took it. He made it way darker and way like more sinister, and it pissed off every fucking parent in America. Yeah, and he made millions of fucking dollars mm-hmm. and became incredibly famous. I also like that he gave a group of kids kind of a an icon and like a dude. That's the, exactly what their he did idol, for me. their idol. They were like, oh. You're, you know, what what was became known as like trench coat, the trench coat mafia. Like types. here's what, here's why it took for me, um, or I took to the music or whatever. Um, say you're a kid who's like you're 15, 16. You're awkward in every way possible. You don't have many friends at all, right? And you are angry at everything, and you just are filled with contempt and rage and fuck this and fuck that. Yeah. And then a guy that. From down to literally his eyeballs. Like, he would mm-hmm. wear, like, weird colored contact lenses that look like, what the fuck is this guy all about? He's yeah. dark. He's weird. He seems like this, like, loner. And he writes these, like, you know, dark, angry songs that you, when you just hear them and you watch the music videos, they're just meant to provoke and to just say, fuck you. Whether or not it was rooted in, like, this is the, the way this guy really is and really feels was irrelevant because he was playing to kids like us. Yeah. And all that mattered at the time was like this guy, I, I'm relating to this on, on whatever level it is. Like there was no part of me that was like, I'm going to start, you know, looking like that. I'm going to like, you know, be a Satanist. Not that he ever said he was a Satanist, but like, I'm not, I'm not going to get into like the dark arts and become this like, you know, weird Gothic guy. But on some level that like brand of rebellion like really appealed to me because you could wear a Marilyn Manson shirt or even tell people you liked him and people would look at you like, whoa, yeah. this kid's fucking weird. And, but it, at least what it did at the time when you're like this loner, weirdo teenager, it gave you an identity because nowhere else did you think you fit in. And looking back, you're like, it was such a brief instant of time, blah, 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 you're a kid, I get all that now. But back then, that like idea of like, being a loner and not knowing who you are, not having any real friends, you couldn't, you know, play sports, you couldn't hang out with the punks, you couldn't hang out with the skaters, you couldn't hang out with the cool kids, and you found this like guy that was playing this music and you were like, "Wow, this is it." And the music itself was like good. It wasn't amazing, but it was like it was good. They had like cool, interesting songs. Like you watched the videos and there were like nothing else that was out there. Yeah. People say he was like you know, David Bowie did it before him with like Ziggy Stardust. Skinny Puppy was the same way, like in the you know the eighties, and yeah. like there were bands that were similar. Nine Inch Nails around the same time was doing like a kind of like a hard rock version, but it kind of was way more real and gritty and industrial, and that's fine too. Nine Inch Nails is great, but Marilyn Manson just kind of tapped into like the 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 branding and the marketing way, and like a in a much better way than than a lot of these guys 
uh, were doing at the time, was able to make it a much bigger deal. I think because he was smart enough to know that he was tweaking people, and that was mm-hmm. part of his thing. Whereas a lot of, the, I think those other bands For were sure. just like, we're dark, and this is our thing, where he was like, yes, I'm dark. Also, I know exactly how to be a little bit of a shithead. and Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's very funny. Like, he's legit, like, he was always funny in interviews. His book was funny. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew, he was smart enough to be like, no, I know, I'm, I'm tweaking you guys, yeah. and it's working. You're falling for it. I'm winning. And it made it even, it was, made it, people, the more infuriated people got, just the bigger the band got. Yeah. And then he kind of, like, you know, it, it, petered, it petered out, sort of, but then he just, now he's kind of just, like, it's kind of sad, because he's still sort of trying to come back and do that same thing. We were just like, it's not like it was it. Yeah. No one really cares about that anymore. It's not really it's socially different. relevant. Also, yeah, it just um, wasn't the same. Yeah, his last good album, I mean, Portrait of an American Family was really good. It was before they were doing that like crazy glam in your face sort of, um, we're, we're here to gross you out and be really offensive. It was kind of just like a kind of a dark sort of bordering on metal-ish uh, rock album with right. some really good songs. Yeah. Um, that was good. Antichrist, it was Smells Like Children was in between that and Antichrist Superstar. That's the one that had the cover of uh, um, Sweet Dreams. Not a oh, great yeah. album, but they were still, they were figuring out that like they were changing from like, we're like a kind of a metal band with its dark look into like, let's, I'm going to wear this fucking crazy top hat and paint my eyes weird and have a song yeah. called Dope Hat, you know. Um, then Antichrist Superstar had beautiful people and and that's, all those. I like that. That's song. when they exploded. That yeah. was like ninety six, ninety seven. They exploded. Yeah. And then after that was Mechanical Animals, where he kind of started going full glam. Yeah. Ish, you know. And the cover was he looked like an alien. He cut his yeah, hair. And he, had he had that boobs. weird bodysuit. Yeah, it was super weird. I was teaching art. Great lesson, songs on that. Art lessons then, and a kid. There was this kid who was really good named. Um, I forget his name. But he uh, his, he wanted to paint that. Yeah. He he brought on the cover. He was like, I want to do oil painting of this. And I was like, cool. And his cool. mom was fine with it, but we had to paint it upstairs because the other parents got like weird. Yeah. Which he felt like cooler doing yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, that I remember just like parents were bugged out on like just a drawing of it in the art class. Yeah. Because so it's was fucking like, weird. Yeah, it was weird. What's a mannequin? You just look like a mannequin. Yeah, but Dude like mannequin. a mannequin with like sort of had like tits but then there yeah. was nothing yeah there was no dick there was no pussy there was just nothing and yeah. then it, like he, he looked like it was like the a sexualized mannequin of an alien yeah where you're like what the fuck is it but it would it was just unsettling to people in a way they couldn't explain yeah which was kind of the brilliance behind him right where you're like this is fucking weird it's sort of making me uncomfortable parents are angry their kids love it because their parents hate it yeah and it just kind of stood out in a really odd way but a lot of people like made fun of me back then for liking him they're like that guy's weird you're weird what the fuck's wrong with you yeah and then now as an adult when i say i used to love him they go you did because i do not look like i did now yeah but dude he was cool he did a different thing he definitely had a big he left a huge mark on pop culture oh it's yeah. hard to do yeah 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 he was a provocateur that shit's yeah. necessary what it's hard time, to do. Where, how much time we at? Uh, we're at about an hour 15. Perfect. Yeah. That's our bands, you nerds. Yeah. Uh, three bands we love and one band that it's like, oops. So close to making the list, T-Swift. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't even, oh, Taylor Swift. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know the abbreviation. Tracy Chapman, loved her. Um, 
I loved Jamiroquai also. Jamiroquai had some had some cool shit. You know who I? Uh, Everyone knows I, how I feel about Rusted Root. Oh yeah. You know who I uh, liked a couple songs of then and now. I look back and I go, you know what? They were fucking good. Some fucking third eye blind, dude. No. Yeah. You lose me there. They had. Uh, they knew how to. They knew how to fucking write catchy. Yeah, they did for sure. Songs for sure. They did. Can't deny it. All right, Uh, we hope you enjoyed this, guys. Um, Because we enjoyed doing it. God damn it, we get to talk about music for literally an hour and something minutes, Um, and it was fun. Those are our bands. Let us know what you think, uh, and let us know uh, what your what your favorites are, and. Uh, what's something embarrassing you liked? Especially if you grew up in the 90s. That's kind of interesting to me. Like what you liked then that you're like, holy shit, what was I thinking? Or that you still defend now. Uh, with that, thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Subscribe if you don't. Some guy fucking was like, hey, I don't see the episode up yet. And I was like, well, if you're subscribed to the podcast, yeah. you will see it literally the moment it's posted. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, guys, do it. It's very simple. Go to iTunes. Hit subscribe. Tell your friends to do the same. Spread the word. Our numbers are growing. We appreciate you listening and your continued support. We love you. Goodbye.